This podcast edition of Other Side of Texas is brought to you by our friends at Flint Boot and Hat, a West Texas original. You want a great hat or you want to make your boots great again, go see them at 3035 34th Street or Flint and 34th Street in Lubbock or see more at flinthat.com. It was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I 35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space. Well, hey there, howdy. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for telling friends that you hang out here on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West, Texas Leeson, playing through the pain today, ladies and gentlemen, playing through the pain. I've managed to come down with somebody in our house invariably has strep throat with four little kids, which we called strep throat in Hill County whenever I was a kid, but Boy, yesterday morning I woke up, had the chills, and my throat hurt. And now it kind of just feels like, it feels like I swallowed a bunch of razors and then chased it with some Kentucky gentlemen. That's what the current throat status is. But we got to hang out. We got to get on with the show, and it must go on right here, raving on, where Buddy Holly became famous The Racer Car Wash Studios voted Lubbock's Best Wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across the Hub City for the best wash around. Guaranteed. Racerwash.com. And be a part of the program, you can text in. Folks already trying to call, you can text in 806-745-5800 as I open my Topo Chico to medicate my throat. So, folks, listen, I have gotten a lot of feedback about what we posted last night. Whenever I say we, I mean me, but other people read over it, uh, verify it, fact check it, make it look pretty. So I say we. I've gotten a lot of feedback on the newest edition, the newest uh, Regent Gate piece that we put up at othersideoftexas.com. It's there if you'd like to go check it out. And I have a couple of thoughts about, well, I'll give you a little bit of context. (laughs) There are questions whether or not Regent Mickey Long, a public official, an appointed public official, has funneled more than $1.25 million to Texas political campaigns and has done so through his two daughters and their husbands. It also leads into questions about uh, an audit. Sources say Mickey Long is under through his uh, Midland-based oilfield service company. Another audit, uh, to whatever degree of irony, Mickey Long serving as the chair of the audit committee for the Texas State Board of Regents. And it also leads into questions about uh, Rager Dykes Auto Group and Vista Bank's losses to be incurred there. And I want to get into questions about overall judgment that was exercised. Uh, Vista Bank, of course, is where 
Mickey Long serves as the chairman of the board. I talk about his go through one of his daughters, Amy King. Her husband is Brad, Andrea Tyree, uh, and her husband, Chris, all of whom live in Lubbock, but in every contribution that they've made. So Andrea Tyree has only made, prior to the spring of 2012, public records show that she's only made one political contribution, and that was for $17.50 to, I think, the Texas Realtor Association PAC. Probably some membership thing for Texas Association of Realtors Pack in 2005, but since <clears throat> spring of 2012, she's made contributions. Tyree, an employee of Texas Tech, a development officer, raises money for the athletics department. By all counts, does a great job. Is considered to be a great person. Uh, she has contributed $416,639.67 since May of 2012. <clears throat> Her husband has contributed $261,000, of which has gone to Texans for Abbott. Her, back to Andrea, of her $416,000 <clears> that's been contributed, I think that over 60% went to Texans for Abbott. Amy King has made $336,000, and roughly half have gone to Texans for Greg Abbott. The contributions in total have a couple of patterns. One, well, let me read about Brad King, and then I'll get to some, some patterns overall. Brad King, don contributions at least in his name, $241,611, three quarters of which have gone to, you guessed it, Texans for Greg Abbott. All involved here are somewhere between, I would say, 38 to 44 years old. Whether there are the means necessary to make these kinds of <clears throat> contributions, I think, is a question at present. But <clears throat> whenever you look, they all begin simultaneously in 2012. Well, what's happening in 2012? You've got Greg Abbott, who's about to, rumors that Perry is stepping down, Abbott to announce the next summer, and then in November 14 for Abbott to be elected governor. And then when is one of the governors, he leads into the legislature, January 2015. Who's up for reappointment in 2015? Mickey Long. That's who. So... <clears throat> Excuse me. The patterns are that although each reside, and this is where campaign finance law in Texas gets really slippery. Slippery is a boiled onion, like some involved in Regent Gate. You have to list an address, and the addresses listed are Midland. But then you also have to list an employer, according to uh, the Texas Ethics Commission, which is the regulatory <coughs> regulatory <coughs> body that oversees campaign finance in Texas. Uh, $500 or more, you have to state your employer. Well, oftentimes in these scenarios, you've got Andrea Tyree, who's worked at Tech, I believe, since 2008. Uh, she lists her employer sometimes as oil and gas. 
Uh, sometimes she will list it as, uh, I want to make sure I get this right, West Tex WLP, which is Mickey Long's uh, president of West Tex WLP. Amy King will list her status as homemaker, best efforts by her husband, Brad, and it just begins to alternate. Uh, Brad owns Clearview Auto Glass here in Lubbock. Uh, so there's a lot of questions that begin to, to arise. And whenever you look at the timing, check this out. Between October 1, 2017 and December 5, 2017, Texans for Greg Abbott received $100,000.01 through the following contributions. Amy King made three separate contributions, each for $16,666.67. Brad King made a contribution of $16,666.67. Andrea Tyree made a contribution of, you guessed it, $16,666.67. Christopher Tyree made a contribution of Six, oh, just a penny short, $16,666.66. I, I list several of those, uh, well, a couple of, just a couple, I should say. I, I list three examples, there are more, that show there was overlap to the same candidates, uh, <clears throat> the employment status changes, the uh, employer changes, really looks nefarious. If it was taken through trust, I'm told if this money was taken out of trust, then it should have been noted as such in the contribution. Uh, it was not. And this can be illegal. This sort of activity can be illegal. Of course, one of the more toothless operations in Texas is the Texas Ethics Commission itself. So, <clears throat> It doesn't, I don't think that he, he being Mickey Francis, po is posed much risk on that front. However, it leads into other, if he's owed, if, if, underline if, if he's owed, if creditors are owed money by Mickey Long, they may not look favorably upon the kind of contributions that have gone down. Uh, close to $1.6 million since 2012, at least through these four entities, two of which, and I call them entities, but uh, that's what they basically are at this point, two of them being his daughters. But <clears throat> back to the judgment, and this is where we're going to pick up and get Scott Braddock here in just a moment. For you to have the judgment to exercise $1.26 million to Texas political campaigns, through two daughters and a husband, and whatever is going on with an audit, and to be, some say, a lot say $12 million in the hold of Rager Dykes Auto Group, in their, well, not in the hold of them, but in the hold because of the bankruptcy. This is the same judgment that ousted Bob Duncan over what has been made out to be a $5 million disagreement over the course of four years. Steinmetz, John Steinmetz, CEO of Vista Bank, is looking at this Rager Dykes situation and was before that forced resignation, the ousting of Bob Duncan. Uh, Francis, we've written about the chairman and his interest in downtown El Paso and how his judgment was skewed there. And Chris Huckabee, we've said before, bears mentioning here, 
takes a, uh, believe, a $26 million contract to redo Tarleton State's football stadium. In June, it was announced formally June 1, 2016. This is the kind of judgment that oversaw that decision. That is four of your five in Regent Gate. And I've been asked, do you think it's, it is fair game? They made a very public decision, something that impacts the public, for which there's been given little to no account. And so, yes, whatever is available by public record to begin to demonstrate further the lack of judgment the incompetent judgment that went into the ousting of Bob Duncan and the cost that it's presented to the alumni and to the region uh, is more than uh, more than justified. But that's me here on the other side of Texas. Stick right with us here. Scott Braddock coming up and uh, get you some Jerry Jeff on the way out. Talk to you just a little bit here on the other side of Texas. All I know is you gotta keep trying. Gotta let me down and keep from the only sure thing is taxes and time. And you love it makes a living worth Raven on right here. The other side of Texas is sponsored by the law firm of Mullen Horton Brown, LLP, with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas, employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, employment law, and estate planning. Each week we get a check-in with what's going on in the Beltway with somebody whose ear is closest to the ground. He is Quorum Report Editor Scott Braddock. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, sir. Always good to be on the most talked-about talk show in West Texas. Well, now we just go ahead and say most listened to program is that it yeah. man wow well it's number one now now we're we've stopped starting at this point. i mean we can just we can just say a very short version of all that which is it's number one yeah by the time you do up all the numbers on all the different platforms here we are um and you, you know and, and let's also make note here you're doing it today almost with sort of like one arm you know tied behind your back because you've got strep throat or whatever is yeah. going on yeah and you sound great anyway. In my career in radio, my professional career, I always sounded better when I had some kind of illness coming on. Gives you more of the gravelly, deep yeah, voice thing going on. It, it sounds fantastic, you, Jay. No it, one would even know the difference. It makes you dig deeper, kind of like when I was a sophomore <laughs> and we went to Nazareth and I had the flu yeah. and my nurse mother had a, uh, the IV bag tacked to the wall. And I sat right. there on the couch all day, and then the seniors came and scooped me up and put me, not on their shoulders like Rudy, but like forcibly against my will on their shoulders, <laughs> threw me on the bus, and we won that game by two. The sophomore Leeson hitting two free throws to contribute That's to how the you victory. Do it. Yeah, mm -hmm. you got to dig deep. Uh, so, Scott Braddock, speaking of deep, uh, Texas Parent <laughs> Pack. Yes. Let's Let's – Get out of all the gates and into what's going on in the state right now as November comes around. Mm -hmm. Texas Parent Pack, you can explain to us what that entity is, but they've endorsed mm -hmm. 15 challengers to sitting members of the Texas legislature. Why do they feel it necessary to throw the bums out, and who are the bums? Well, the bums are, as far as I can tell, a lot of these people who support school vouchers, which you talk about on this program quite a bit. Texas Parent Pack. Uh, is a bipartisan organization. They make uh, endorsements and give money to candidates uh, because they feel that those candidates will support 
public schools uh, around this state. And this is a lot of challengers for them to be um, endorsing. Uh, senators like uh, Connie Burton from Tarrant County, Don Huffines from Dallas County, John Huffman from Houston, all have had their challengers endorsed by Parent PAC. And here was the quote uh, from the chair of the group, Carolyn Boyle. She sent it to us a quorum report uh, early this morning. Uh, she said, quote, many communities are fed up with the performance of their state legislators. And so the people in those communities recruited great candidates to challenge incumbent state senators and representatives. We got the entire list of uh, who they endorsed and who they're endorsing against at quorumreport.com. Uh, but Boyle did uh, point out that a lot of these candidates under 40 years old, uh, a lot of people who are first-time candidates getting involved there is a lot more um you know involvement by younger people now and she called it a new generation of leaders potentially coming down the pike we want to do better for schools families communities and the state of texas yep and it uh, don't get me started on what kind of role the uh, school district plays in rural places as drew darby well, likes think, to say and i, I can do say you're i was gonna say your your impersonation probably is even better today yeah because he does sound like he's gargling barbed wire whenever he talks a lot of times. Go I'll, for it. I'll Go respond. for it. Lifeblood uh, in any community <laughs> is a public schools. Uh, it, it cracks me up every time. The, yeah, it's not very good. I need to make that my ringtone for you. It, it's not. You it's just not very good. Scott Braddock, as we go <laughs> along. Amari Stanley just coming into studio. We're going to talk with Amari Stanley about how... And Lubbock Barbers put together $40,000 for Honor Flight coming up shortly. Oh, very Sen cool. Mm -hmm. uh, Senator Cruz, you know, I've watched that debate, and yeah. one can look at the debate last Friday, Beto O'Rourke, uh, Ted Cruz. Um, whenever you look at it through analysis, it seems like Cruz won that debate. Whenever you look mm -hmm. at how O'Rourke was trying to divulge and expose <laughs> Cruz on unlikability he yep. also made some points there uh, it the sure. tactics that he was using and the methods the way in which he was carrying himself but now mm -hmm. o'rourke is having to play defense in dallas as i understand well he, he was playing defense uh, on friday night uh, is the point that i was making uh, i mean okay. he um yeah it, well in, in in a lot of instances you have the challenger playing defense which is not good for the challenger you want to be challenging right and you mm -hmm. had uh, o'rourke consistently missing um, opportunities to challenge Cruz on his record. Uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, the fact that uh, Cruz is a skilled debater. Uh, this is somebody who's probably the most seasoned debater on the national stage right now because he uh, was in debates, uh, of course, in college, uh, was a champion debater there, and then, uh, he was uh, you know, debating David Dewhurst years ago when he first won this seat, and then how many debates did he participate in uh, when he was running for president? So he's had a lot of practice at this. Uh, and one of the things that you uh, could observe during that debate was Cruz would throw out a whole lot of accusations about O'Rourke and then O'Rourke would try to make his points, and then what Cruz would do is he would come back like a skilled debater does, and he would say, now, you'll notice what Representative O'Rourke did not even respond to. And then he would go down and check off the list of things that O'Rourke had not even responded to. Um, I do think that O'Rourke had a very strong moment at the end. Uh, and, it, it, you know, Cruz, he just, he rubs people the wrong 
way. People just don't like him, right? I mean, even a lot of Republicans, I've heard some Republicans say that they're going to have to pass out clothespins this fall because everybody's going to have to hold their nose and vote for Cruz because they still want to support a Republican and not a Democrat. Uh, a lot of those uh, GOPers will do that. Um, but, but at the very end, what did the moderators ask the guys to do? They said, look, why don't you each say something nice about your opponent? A moment to, you know, be a human. Uh, and uh, O'Rourke, I thought, did very well with that. He said that, you know, that Senator Cruz spends a lot of time at work. He sacrifices a lot of time away from his family and all that sort of stuff. Now, what did Cruz do? Instead of saying anything nice about O'Rourke, he didn't really. He just said that, you know, O'Rourke is committed to his liberal, almost socialistic values in the mold of Bernie Sanders, uh, went on a lecture about that, uh, you know, uh, laid out uh, his arguments again about why O'Rourke is wrong for Texas. And then when Cruz had concluded, O'Rourke did get, you know, he got in that one last jab, which was to say that Senator Cruz was being, quote, true to form. So I think. It, the uh, representative uh, is, uh, you know, in the midst of a learning moment right now. We'll see what happens uh, at the debate in Houston, which I plan to attend uh, coming up uh, already this weekend. Uh, and then, of course, there's another debate uh, between the two men in San Antonio. One thing we ought to say about this, I think, Jay Leeson, is that it's not really um, something that is determinative. Uh, when we talk about these debates, it, it, these, these things don't usually make the difference, right? I mean, how many people actually watch the debate? I haven't seen the final numbers on that. Uh, but as far as local television coverage, as I understand it, it was only on in Dallas-Fort Worth uh, because it was uh, carried by the NBC station there. And, uh, you know, like the, the NBC station in Houston uh, didn't carry it and in other places as well because they had no. different owners. Um, but it was on C-SPAN, and people did watch online. Uh, and, of course, a lot of clips of the debate are being uh, promoted now. Uh, on Facebook and on Twitter, and so we may have turned a corner about the way these things are covered and the way that they are uh, promoted. Um, but as far as whether these debates really make, uh, you know, make or break the campaign, I don't think that they do. But they can tell you a lot about what's going on in the campaign. You do have a work who's still trying to be that guy who is sort of the happy warrior. Uh, who is not really running against Cruz, and that may be one of the reasons that he took a pass so many times on calling out Cruz for his record. Uh, but at the same time, O'Rourke looked angry uh, throughout the evening, which I noted on social media, and some people did not like that I did that. But uh, the, the reason uh, that I was uh, observing that is because, and the reason I was pointing that out is, uh, that O'Rourke has sold himself as the happy warrior. Well, guess what? If you're going to be the happy guy, you kind of have to be that happy guy all the time. You can't just, be, you know, you can't be angry just because you're on stage with Cruz or you don't like. And if 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 you don't like him and you want to call him out, then you should do that. So he didn't do that, but he did look angry. So that kind of undermines his brand of being the happy warrior. Uh, and I do think that uh, Cruz was able to land more punches. The other thing, uh, when I mentioned uh, O'Rourke earlier in this interview, when I mentioned O'Rourke being on defense, he was having to clarify that he doesn't want children to be using heroin. And he was also having to clarify that he doesn't want to take your gun away from you, uh, specifically uh, AR-15. So he played a lot of defense in Big D. Yeah, those are the nice. Those are the kinds of questions that you don't want to have to be answering as we no. turn into October here. Uh, mm -hmm. Scott Braddock, speaking of Ted Cruz, I've gotten some questions about this. We mm -hmm. we focus so so heavily on the region that we don't get into a lot of national issues, but. Brett Kavanaugh does. I think he would be an exemption. His wife, of course, yeah. from Abilene. There are West Texas roots there. But, you know, should this accuser 
if if in in the end she comes forward, Brett Kavanaugh's yeah. accuser. Uh, right. How does that play so far as Texas officials are concerned, and what should we look out for? Well, both Senator John Cornyn and Senator Cruz, who we were just talking about, they both serve on the Senate Judiciary Committee. And so there is a possibility that uh, if uh, Dr. Ford, this accuser, comes forward and testifies, and of course that's been up in the air and back and forth all through the weekend, there was uh, you know, conflicting information about whether she would actually be in front of the committee or not. We'll find out together if she actually ends up in front of the committee uh, in a public hearing. Um, the Republican members of the committee have said that maybe they should have another lawyer and outside counsel be the person to question this witness during the hearing. Uh, some folks have said that that's sort of a cop-out and the Republican members ought to question her themselves. Uh, and I think for Senator Cornyn, it's not as big a deal politically uh, because uh, Cornyn, of course, has been pushing, uh, you know, as uh, the number two Republican in the Senate, he's been pushing this nomination. He's been calling uh, the Democrats to task, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, you look at his Twitter feed and he's just all over the place on that saying uh, that uh, these accusations are unfounded and he finds it uh, unseemly that Democrats are so quick to believe it just because it's somebody that they don't want to see on the Supreme Court. Senator Cruz is in a little bit different position, right, because he's up for re-election, and we do have um, this uh, question about what uh, college-educated white uh, Republican uh, women, what are they going to do in the fall? Are they going to vote for Cruz? Or are they going to vote for O'Rourke? A lot of these folks uh, in the suburbs, which I know is one of your favorite topics, uh, to talk about what folks do there. Um, but I think the best way to put it is if Senator Cruz ends up questioning this woman, he's going to need to walk a very fine line and not look like the guy who is badgering a witness. That would not be uh, the right, uh, probably probably not the right thing for him to do. At the same time, you know, we, we, we say he's walking a fine line. The Republican base really wants this nomination to go forward and for there to be a confirmation vote in the United States Senate. Uh, Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, uh, has said that there will be a vote. Um, and you have a, a lot of uh, grassroots Republican leaders saying that if they abandon Kavanaugh, uh, then that may depress the uh, vote of Republicans in the fall uh, because they won't think that uh, the Republican Party on Capitol Hill is backing up the president who they do support. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> one more question for you, and we'll get you out of here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even since I was a boy, California has kind of served as a straw man for uh, <laughs> both social and economic yes. issues. And, yes, and I recall watching John Wayne and the Cowboys for the first time. You know, and they're on the what cattle, a great movie. They're on the cattle I, drive. I, I can remember watching it the first time as well, and then many times after. They're, they're on the cattle drive, and they're asking about the subject comes up about church on Sunday, and yeah. they'll be traveling through California, I believe. And mm -hmm. one boy says to the other boy, don't you know there ain't no Sundays west of Nevada? <laughs> and I mentioned <laughs> that here to say, <laughs> is there any more low-hanging fruit? Um, and by low-hanging fruit, I mean means by which the public can be duped than making California an election issue, which Governor, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has done mm -hmm. in his uh, first general election TV ad. With, oh, yeah. his, with his red truck, don't let Democrats turn Texas into California. 
please don't let Democrats do that. This uh, advertisement, uh, which you can see online, we have it posted at quorumreport.com, 30-second television ad. Uh, of course, the lieutenant governor has millions of dollars in the bank, just like Governor Abbott does, but uh, Patrick has uh, fewer of those dollars. Uh, but, but this ad, uh, it really highlights the fact that the instinct of the lieutenant governor is, and by the way, of the statewide elected officials, he definitely has the best instincts about the electorate. That's been proven over and over again. Um, whether you agree with him or not, he he, he really plays. Uh, you know, the, he plays the game of politics sort of like golf. He goes where the ball is, not where he wishes it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and power is where power goes, as that, Johnson that, used that's to right. say. Yeah. Yes, sir. And. Um, you know, in saying that the Democrats, um, you know, want to make this more like California and that they oppose uh, the ban on sanctuary cities and all of that sort of stuff, the, the kind of message that's in this ad, it tells me that his instinct is that this election in the fall is going to be a base Republican versus base Democratic election. And what that means is he's not trying to persuade anybody that he's right. He's trying to talk to people who already agree with this message and get them motivated and get them out to vote. And that's why he is the same elected official, not Governor Abbott, but Lieutenant Governor Patrick, who went to Washington, went to the White House and made the case that President Trump needed to come down to Texas to uh, to rally for Ted Cruz to make the case that Texas needs to stay red uh, because what Patrick is betting on, and by the way, he's uh, betting to not lose. He's not he's not betting as much to win, if that makes sense. He just wants Republicans to, uh, you know, eke it out up and down the ballot. He'd be fine with that. Um, if you look at some of the latest polling, the approval rating for President Trump among the general electorate is split 49-49, while the um, approval of President Trump with Republican voters is right around 90%, something like that. Um, and everything you know, everything that we can see as far as the data is concerned uh, tells us that the base of the Republican Party in Texas is still larger than the base of the Democratic Party in Texas. And so if they can mobilize mm-hmm. those Republicans, get them out to vote, they can eke out these elections all up and down the ballot. Yeah, that's a strong, that's a strong analysis there, Scott Braddock. Bringing it is I feel like I've swallowed razors and $2 tequila. Uh, <laughs> oh, my, but, my poor friend. I, you know what? It, whether it was good analysis or not, I was just trying to talk as long as I could. Yeah. So you wouldn't have to talk very much. You, you that was the whole great. point. But I've got my medication, my uh, Topo Chico here. Uh, one last thing, a little curveball for you. Yes, what, are these, what are these House Republicans thinking? The House Republicans uh, in, in the Texas House, 150 members. Mm-hmm. Some of these Republicans were primaried against, and Ted yes. Cruz, I don't think he knew two bits, actually. I mean, just me speaking. <laughs> he didn't know two bits about yeah. their opponents, was brought in by mm-hmm. larger interests to campaign uh, and to endorse the candidates who were running against some of these right. Republicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, when yeah. are they? Where are they on all this? Uh, are they Did going he... to speak out? I mean, is, is the O'Rourke campaign <laughs> reaching out to them, or— yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. General? Did did he uh, did Cruz uh, endorse um, against any House Republicans out in West Texas? I'm trying to remember. No, I don't believe so. Yeah, I know that there were some in East what? Texas. Uh, Chris Patty comes to mind, for example, who stomped his Republican opponent. By the way, I think it was like 60-40. Was the mm-hmm. uh, he's for a Republican for Marshall? I think that was the result. Uh, Cruz is uh, endor- I know that he endorsed um, against uh, one of the uh, House Republican candidates who ended up. Um, he endorsed uh, the loser in Corsicana in the seat to 
uh, or in the race to uh, replace uh, Chairman Byron Cook in that area. Uh, and so, yeah, he didn't have a great record uh, as far as his primary endorsements. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting uh, question to raise. I would, I would say this, and I think it's going to matter more in the urban centers uh, based on some of the polling. There was so much polling today, uh, Jay Leeson, going through all these numbers for you. There was a public policy uh, polling uh, survey uh, out of Dallas County and Harris County. Specifically, they were looking at uh, the race for Pete Sessions seat in Dallas and John Culberson in Houston. Mm -hmm. uh, and they also had a poll out in Dallas County about uh, the Nathan Johnson, Don Huffine state Senate uh, seat. Um, and here's the number that should have Texas House Republicans uh, scared to death in Dallas County, okay? Beto O'Rourke leads Ted Cruz in Senate District 16, which is about half of Dallas County where the Republican uh, Texas House members are uh, in Dallas County. O'Rourke leads Cruz 54 to 41 in that area with only 5% undecided. Um, if I was a House Republican in Dallas County right now, uh, I would be uh, building the biggest fortress I possibly could with as much money as possible and calling everybody to help uh, because that number should scare the bejesus out of them. Wow. Scott Braddock of the Quorum Report. Check him out. QuorumReport.com. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Jay Leeson. Hope you feel better, my friend. I'll get that way. Appreciate you. Uh, Going to take a break. Go make some money with some great sponsors here on the program. Get back in with you. We've got our friend Maury Stanley. Upstanding Lubbockite barber raised a lot of money for Honor Flight. What's going on? Almost $40,000 since spring of 2014. Get back in with him right here on your other side. Call me up, sweet mama, and we'll go stepping out and we'll go side is brought to you by our friends at title one lubbock's digital real estate and title escrow company title one committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes cl title one can just put all your anxiety to the side and serve your realty consumer and lending needs there at title one.com one of my favorite people is a barber, has been my barber, I guess, since uh, maybe 1999. He is Maury Stanley, sitting right here with us in studio. You've never read Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry, even though I bought you the book. You did. You bought me the book, and I just wanted to ask you a question. Do you remember the day that you wanted to get on TV at the foot at the bas basketball game, and we carved the uh, double T cut that and shave that in the top of your flat top at the time. That was before <laughs> my suitor, my wife, Yes. Uh, before we got married and I could still have flat tops. But yes. Yeah, I yes. got a nice, nice flat top that would make Ted Mitchell want to cry. It was so beautiful. And then we uh And we, we did get you on TV. Yes, thing, right? we, ra we razored it in there. Yes, and we did. We were. Nice looking flat top with a double T right in the middle of your head. Yep. I certainly remember that. So, Jay, thanks for having me out today to talk about Honor Flight. Well, I'm glad to uh, have you here. So let's get into Honor Flight, but then 
you and I both are going to talk about the story in which all this began because we were both there. Yes, we were. Yes, we were. And and I'm glad you were with me there. That that we're to this point has a lot to do with me just being an innocent bystander in your bullheadedness. Okay. (laughs) So, um, Honor Flight, essentially, and correct me if if, you add on if I miss something. The mission is to take veterans of war to see the monuments and memorials in Washington, D.C., established in their honor. Yes, sir. To give them the opportunity to say, in some time, in some cases, many cases, a final goodbye to old friends who fell in combat. Yes, sir. That's, that's and, exactly right. And to see how exactly the nation has honored them in D.C. Yeah. Jay, the... Uh, so, so you've got elderly people getting on planes, and this is no small effort to make this happen. Jay, let me say this. Uh, the, uh, the people that actually run the honor flight is, I mean, they are, it's a precision operation. The logistics is just absolutely unbelievable. You know, there's 147 people that get on that airplane uh, on Saturday morning when we leave. And of those 147, uh, you're going to have the majority of them are going to be in their 80s and 90 years old. Now, that's one thing to move 147 people in their 30s from point A to point B. It's quite another thing to move 80 or 90 of those people from point A to point B. It is a, it's the logistics is something else to see. It's a well-run, run operation. You know, I was, I've made a comment uh, several times about the honor flight that uh, the Texas South Plains honor flight is something that makes Lubbock, Texas look really good. And I truly believe that. They are, uh, they're dressed well. They're fed well. They stay in a nice uh, place. It's not anything extravagant. It's not a luxury hotel, but it's a nice, comfortable hotel. Uh, There's uh, bus transportation that takes these guys around to all these memorials. And the the big thing, it it hit me, I guess, on the, the very first trip that I made with them, was these are the guys that actually wrote the history books for the uh, for these things and just to be with them when they when they're there it's kind of a special feeling and I, I lived there for three years when I was stationed in the army at the Pentagon and I had been able to see some of these these uh, memorials uh, when I lived there but you know it's it's not quite the same when you're there by yourself as it is with with the group last year I was with uh, well, I was a guardian. These things once a year. Once, Texas once, once a year from from Lubbock. Uh, last year, I happened to be a guardian for a uh, Vietnam combat vet, and that was a very humbling experience for me. And uh, how so? Well, the gentleman did not want to make this trip, and he made the trip because his wife just stayed on him until he agreed to go. And on the way. To Washington, he was uh, he was very fidgety. He just did not want to make make be up there. But we got there. He was very quiet. I mean, he just went along with the group. And the second day we were there, we went out to the Vietnam Wall. And he was in a wheelchair, and I pushed him in the wheelchair. And uh, he had told me there was a name on the wall that he would like to find. So as you go down, of course, they have names listed alphabetically, and it, it gives the panel and, and the line where, where the, the name is located. So we found that, and I pushed him over there. And he sat there, and he looked at the name, and then he reached out and touched it. 
And uh, he kind of broke down there, Jay. I guess that every one of us that, uh, that my age anyway, we know somebody that's on that wall. And uh, that night he, he, uh, he told me a little bit about his experience over there. And this particular gentleman that, that he uh, wanted to find, it was his lieutenant, and he actually saw him killed that day. And, uh, you know, to see, uh, see your friends put in body bags, you know, he has, uh, you know, three, three bronze stars, purple heart, and uh, he, had, he had quite a, quite a hard time in, in, in Vietnam. And it was, uh, it was quite an honor just to push him around that day. So, you know, I, I knew about Honor Flight uh, because of my wife's uncle. Uh, matter of fact, uh, 74 years ago today, September the 24th, 1944, he was shot down and taken prisoner over Saloniki, Greece, and uh, spent some time in a POW camp. And uh, he and his buddy that uh, was taken prisoner, uh, they decided they didn't like that their accommodation, so they checked out. They just escaped. <laughs> That's quite a story to, have, to hear him uh, talk about that. But uh, anyway, this is, is something that I, I really wish my dad could have done. I wish my father-in-law could have done it. Uh, my dad passed away before he had the opportunity to do it. Uh, my father-in-law uh, developed Alzheimer's, and there was no way he could do it. And uh, so it was something that I, I thought that I, I kind of wanted to get involved in. Yeah. And it's it's turned out turned out well. I'm uh, I'm glad I'm involved in it. I don't do a lot. I'm a I'm I'm a facilitator and not not much else with the thing. Uh, how you got involved? We're going to get into here in just a moment and talk about the story of how almost <laughs> forty thousand dollars began here with Mari Stanley. Yeah. Stick right with us here on the other side. We're go make the program work. Be right back with you here. AM Smith South Plains Ford, we're all about a better car buying experience. We understand that shopping for a car is a big deal, and that's why we believe in listening to what matters to you. Come see us in Leveland, where we have a wide selection of new Ford cars and trucks and an excellent sales staff. Love your car, love your dealership at Smith South Plains on Highway 114 in Leveland, Texas, or online at smithsouthplains.com. Love your car, love your dealership, Smith South Plains. Hey, get back in here. Welcome in. He just joined us, Maurice Stanley, Lubbock's Barber, in studio with us. Cool story to tell you about on our flight. That story continues in this segment, brought to you by Lubbock File Room, providing safe and secure document storage to Lubbock and the surrounding area. Since 1992, you think you need document storage and shredding services? You might, in some cases, what do you got? more than others. Uh, for a free and hassle-free estimate, call 806-744-7666, LubbockFileRoom.com. Getting back in it here and being completely candid and transparent Maurice Stanley one of my favorite people my barber forever and uh, you decided in 14 that you wanted to run for city council I did the 
the lead here is that your barbershop is coming up nearly on coming up to about forty thousand dollars raised for South Plains Honor Flight. Almost here, exact here. number is thirty eight thousand six hundred and forty eight as of close of business uh, Saturday night. And that is in an old bubblegum container. Yeah, bucket. Bubblegum bucket. It and is. And now it just says Honor Flight. It does. But what that bucket said in fourteen. So you and I went in one day. Got my hair cut, and you're telling me, you know, I think I'm going to run for city council. And uh, I went home and thought, well, if a guy like Maurice Stanley wants to run for city council, I'm going to help him. It's a nonpartisan. It. It's a nonpartisan race. Uh, there, are, there are like maybe one or two. I, I don't know enough about other continents to know if there's another one of you out there, but. I know on this continent, there's just one. And if you were going to run for city council, then I was going to do all I could to help you. And I appreciate it. And so I decided to do that and to help you. A great voice for Central Lubbock. Uh, in Central Lubbock, there's a perception many times that things are not taken care of the way that they ought to, that the development, you know, all the old stuff. The development in the name of cost to the interior, it's a story that goes on anywhere, and you are articulating that message, and so jumped in. But you being the bullheaded Maury Stanley that you are, <laughs> you would not take contributions from people. No. You would not go ask no. people for money, no. which you need to do. Well, but I, I was just brought up that way that I, it's it's hard for me to ask people for money, and it's just something that I that I don't want to do. And yes, back to that uh, that central Lubbock idea, I have stayed true to the fact that uh, we need to take care of what we have in in the city of Lubbock. I don't want to get off on that. Okay, I mean you're you're well established on that <laughs> okay. point. Okay, but to the point about honor flight, we got another few minutes here. You you decided back in the campaign that you were just going to put out a common sense and before the bucket that now says honor flight yep. uh, it has a little sign that you've taped on the side that says honor flight yes sir that all your longtime customers put money into out of respect for the organization in regard to you it originally said the common sense fund as i recall it did and so you put that out so i'm running for city council and you thought that people just drop some money in. Nobody ever dropped, well, to your knowledge, nobody dropped in more than $20 at a time. I don't know that there was a $20 bill in there, Jay. I think the, the, the largest we had was like a, a $10 bill, $1 and $5 and, and a few tens maybe. Yeah. But so it speaks to the sort of crowd that you work through there in your patronage that it added up to like some three thousand. Am I right? No, we had two thousand seven hundred and forty-nine dollars to be yeah. exact. And so I called the Texas Ethics Commission. You did, because you put in this twenty-seven hundred dollar contribution, and said we're going to, I believe, put in that contribution. Yes. And they said what they've not told Mickey Long yet. By the way, <laughs> you cannot do that. Because every contribution has to have a name with yeah. it. No, maybe not necessarily the employer, but it has to have name and address. And there was no way at that point for you to account. 
And I remember very clearly on a Monday breaking that news to you there in the barber shop. Yes, sir. And you didn't cuss and throw a pair of clippers at a mirror, but you came close. You were not happy. I wasn't. You thought somebody wants to run for something in this state, uh, then people should be able to give a few dollars at a well, time if they want to. Jay, what I thought was a, a person that puts a dollar, two dollars, or five dollars in a bucket is probably not going to wield a lot of political influence in, uh, in shaping my policy or. Which is exactly know. the kind of voter you would want. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so the Texas Ethics Commission Council told me you can't do that. And I said, so what is the recourse? What do we do? Well, you find a charitable entity that you want to give the money to and you thought about it you knew what you wanted to do immediately I did. but I said why don't you think about it overnight candidate Maurice Stanley and let me know tomorrow and then we'll pursue course you let me know call the presser there in Jerry's Barbershop and you announced that you were going to give the money to Honor Flight yeah. and I had uh, determine that uh, basically because of uh, a guy named Homer Jones that went on this flight. He was taken prisoner uh, 74 years ago today. I knew about uh, Honor Flight. I knew that I wanted my dad to go on, but he had passed away. My father-in-law had developed Alzheimer's, couldn't go, and I thought this would be something that would be good for the guys uh, because I had lived there. I had seen some of the things that uh, that they get to see. Of course, some of them hadn't been built, like the Vietnam Wall. It was not built till after I had left. Did anybody who ever put any money, and of course, Maurice, you can never establish who all put money in the bucket, which no. was the commission's point. Yeah. Uh, but have you ever to this day heard, I put money in that bucket for you run for city council, not for the honor flight? No, I have yeah. not. I have not. People, but, have, people have supported this. And let me make this clear, Jay. This this operation that, that we have going right here, uh, this $38,648, this is a customer-driven situation. I am just a facilitator. I take that money, I count it, I take it to the bank, and I get cashier's checks, and I call my buddy Al Faison, and he comes, picks it up, and it goes into the honor. Honor, to the honor flight to uh, to make this trip happen. You know, this this trip is it costs about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to make, and uh, it's a uh, it's like I say, it's a well-run operation, and you know. Uh, they need as many donations as they can possibly get, and uh, it's it's something that just it's well, two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. You know, a few dollars at a time. It's kind of hard to hard to raise. What they need is some corporate sponsors. That uh, that would be that would be good. They need some sponsors a little bit bigger than what I am. But I'm going to keep on going, and as long as that plane takes off from Lubbock with uh, with uh, veterans on it, that bucket's going to be out. You know, uh, whatever we come up with. Uh, so, ever since your screw up in your campaign, <laughs> screw up, yeah. yeah. I believe Griffith, uh, Jeff Griffith, now the city councilman, just and good, annihilated you in that campaign. And he, and he, and he is, and he is, a, he's a good, he's a good uh, councilman. Uh, yeah. uh, I like Jeff; he's a good friend. Matter of fact, we had lunch today. So. Uh, but since since that point, in this, I wrote a column about this one time. It's one of my favorite Texas political stories it really is because the rules are just so and as i started off and just you don't have to comment here but here we we start off the program we talked about how over one and a quarter million dollars has potentially probably been funneled into state political campaigns but the tecq or not the t excuse me i'm thinking about another story 
the Texas Ethics Commission wants to come down on the barber who's got <laughs> $2,700 in quarters and nickels and some ones and fives. Yeah. Uh, that just tells you the story of, of what's gone wrong here. But since then, since April 2014, that has gone from 2700 about to $38,648 as of uh, close of business last yeah. Saturday night, the 22nd. All right. You know, Jay, it's... Uh, I have I have no regrets about this whatsoever. I'm glad that uh, that we're here where we are. Uh, you know, I've I mean, this is something that that I want to do, and like I say, I will continue to do this as long as that plane takes off from Lubbock. Uh, that bucket will be out, and hopefully, uh, our customers will will continue to want to to make contributions to the honor flight because it is, in my opinion one of the best things that Lubbock has going for it, and it really does make Lubbock look really, really good. Yeah, and, and shores up some, as you told the story about the veteran that you hauled around there, the Vietnam vet, uh, he would have never not had that reconciled in his heart or soul or mind. Never would. Before, before he passed away. Never would. And let me say this, uh, the, the honor flight, uh, is it's an all-volunteer situation. There's not one paid person on uh, on this thing. So every dollar that uh, that comes in on a flight goes to make that trip happen. Now there are, there are three fixed expenses. There's a, a cell phone that the president carries so people can make contact with him. Uh, there is a PO box that uh, that the honor flight has, and uh, so that there can be correspondence. And there is a storage unit so that they have a place to store the shirts and the caps and the bags that uh, makes makes these guys look so good when they get to Washington. Yeah. Um, I think if folks want to go see TexasHonorFlight.com and then on Facebook, you can look up Texas South Plains Honor Flight. Uh, that's their group there on Facebook. And you can always jump by. Mari Stanley's shop at 66th and University, the Green Oaks Mall, and drop some money in what used to be the common sense bucket. There you go. And that uh, that that uh, P.O. box for the honor flight is 94787 and Lubbock 79493. Mari Stanley, thank you for making time, buddy. Jay, I enjoyed it a I'm lot. I always enjoy spending time with you, buddy. You finally got to come sit down in my chair. There you go. All right. I appreciate it. Hey, we're going to close this one out tomorrow. We're going to get into more of the gates and anything else that comes up as well as what's going on with an expo center in Lubbock, Texas. Going to get into that with our friend Tim Collins. Be here in studio. Ross Ramsey on your Wednesday. And have you read Kings of Big Spring? That's a book that we're going to be talking about with its author. Coming up on Thursday, another big week ahead of you, covering all the news, views, and issues, breaking it, and telling you the straight truth here on the other side of Texas. Share it with your friends. Get on their phone. Subscribe them to the podcast. We'll keep raving on right here on the other side. Thanks for making time, and we'll see you next episode. Going to get home. Got to get home. Great family, above average dinner. Wait, right there. And on Rose, best of you and your